0: But good evening and welcome, a big welcome to Charters Towers Christian Outreach Centre and uh, to those joining on our Podbean podcast, thank you for joining our church family here in the Towers and I trust that you feel just right at home. Jeffrey, do you feel at home here? I trust you do, I trust you do. I'd like if you'd turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. There we are, chapter 13 in the book of Numbers and uh, we're reading from the word of God tonight and it's called the indestructible, infallible, infinitely, inexhaustible and more up to date than this morning's newspaper, it's called the word of God, amen? Would you like to hear that again? I just whipped that out there. I love the word of God because it's indestructible, infallible, infinitely, inexhaustible and more up to date than today's newspaper. Oh, it's good, isn't it? God upholds his word above his name and he watches over his word to perform it. Oh, you don't have to watch the word of God. God's watching over it. He'll preserve it. Don't worry about the Bible being burnt. Oh, God's preserving his word. And is there anybody out, in, out here in the house who's keen on a future with God? Give me an amen in the house today. Oh, yes, that's good. That's very good. When you apply the Word of God to your life, the God of the Word, who not only created you, but holds your life, can and will give you a future and a hope. If you want a good future and if you want a hope, put your faith in God. Put your faith in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. The title of my message tonight is, You Cannot Be What You Cannot See. And I pray that when, by the time you leave here, you're going to look at things a little bit differently. And uh, it's gonna, you're going to feel bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. I don't care how big you are. By the time you've left here tonight, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel good because something good is coming your way tonight. In Numbers 13, just to quickly round it up, Moses has just brought the uh, people out of 430 years of bondage. And they were fairly happy about it, you would think, but they weren't. They grumbled every step of the way out in the heat. And they grumbled for water, and God gave them the water. And they grumbled for something to eat, and God gave them the manna. And they grumbled a bit more, and they got the quail. And whatever they grumbled for, God still answered their grumbles. Amen? God answers prayer as well as grumbles. Amen? It's amazing. That's how graceful God is. It's amazing, isn't it? So here they were, 430 years of bondage in the lash in Egypt. But meanwhile, in the promised land... The people in that land were a mixed breed. or Anakites and Nephilim and giants of the land. They were a mixed or hybrid group of people. And they were filling up the full measure of their sin. And God was going to use the people to bring them out of the promised land, to take the promised land. And they would be used as an instrument of God to, um, to bring judgment on the people who currently occupied the promised land. And so I'm just going to read a couple of verses and recap a little bit. So here we are in Numbers chapter 13, and it says And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying in verse 2, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader amongst them. And so God was sending out here and instructed them to send out basically 12 spies. And it's often written in your notes above there, the 12 spies. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the commandment or the command of the Lord, all of them who were, he reinforces it again, and said they were heads of the children of Israel. And it lists the 12 spies, but it's amazing that you only recognize two of the names. Isn't that amazing? And we know that the, there were two good spies who came back with a good report, and the ten spies came back with a bad report. Who's ever heard of Shamua or Shafat or Igal or Pelti or Gadi or Gadi or, or Gadai and uh, Emil or Setha or Navi or Guel? Who's heard of those names? Who's ever learnt those names in Sunday schools? No one remembers those names. All they remember is uh, Hoshea or, or Caleb and Joshua. That's all they remember. And uh, the 10 spies who came back with a bad report, they are merely a footnote in our biblical history. They're a footnote, but they were the majority. Amen? And I say, don't go after the madding crowd. You say, well, I'm going against the flow. I'm, I'm flat out going with it. But I want to say, when the Spirit of God is on you, you can go against the flow and still come out a winner. And that is the story here. And And they saw things differently. And the reason is you cannot be what you cannot see. And they saw through the lens and the vision of God's promises and word. And you and I are called to do exactly the same. So it's important to note at this time that the 12 men were selected and sent out And they were not just some fit young errand runners, the 12 that were sent out, rather all of them were heads of the children of Israel. And that's why the report they brought back was so influential. They were not just fit, able men physically, (coughs) excuse me, to do the demand, demanding task of spying out the land, but they were leaders and men of influence. I mean, they would have needed to be fit. You haven't got to walk far in Israel to know it's only... No wonder they say you go up to, up to the temple or you go up to Jerusalem or you go up to Zion. All of Israel just seems to be a series of going up. You never seem to be going down a mountain. There's always one mountain and you get to the next one and to the next one. It's just a series of going up. Amen? And so they would have needed to be fit. But in verse 2 we see God commanding Moses to send out spies into the land that God had promised them. The job description of the spy is to get a visual of the enemy territory. It hasn't changed. Military tactics haven't changed. And they were to gather information and report back, and normally with a proposal to accomplish the mission. That's the role of a, of a spy. Would that be right? jeffrey has been a little bit in the military, and it's the same, really, isn't it? To have a look at the area and And so um, when we were young, we were told not to look at our neighbours' books or things in school. Would that be right? We were told, especially when there was an exam on, and that would be cheating. But now that we're all grown up and sophisticated, we don't call it cheating, we call it market research, amen? (laughs) We look If we're starting off a business and we we don't overlook, we do some market research, amen? Research and development, that's even a more flashing name. But anyway, so the catchphrase is R&D. Oh, I had to do some R&D in my business. Sounds really sophisticated, but all they're doing is cheating. I mean, really? And, um, but the 12 spies were to go out and do some market research to take a, for a takeover bid. Amen? And that's what they were doing. And uh, so from verse 16, from the outset, we see Moses giving Hoshea a name change. I'll read it for you so you know exactly where I'm coming from. Numbers chapter thirteen and verse uh, uh, and verse sixteen. They, these are the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy the land, and Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun Joshua. Why is that significant? Sometimes we just gloss over verses like that. We don't think too much of it. But what's really you have a look at you think about these things. So Hoshea means salvation. And he's given a new name by Moses. It's, it is significant. Every th- word and every verse in the Bible is absolutely 100% significant, particularly in the Hebrew language when every word actually has a meaning. And so we see he's, he's coming. Hashia uh, uh, is coming to the fore as an emerging leader. And, and God was just putting some things in order to safeguard his own walk with God. His new name is now is Joshua. Yah is the shortened form of Yud Vavhe, Vav that tetragram in the Hebrew meaning Yahweh or Jehovah. Jehovah, we say, or Jehovah, we say in our English language. And you think, what's significant about that? But uh, Jehovah means God is salvation. Amen. Not just H- Hoshea means salvation. You think that's a good thing, but he's, gonna, he's been built up as an army general. And it's not no longer Hoshua who is salvation, but it is God is salvation. So there's a twofold reason for the name change when you think it through. The name change takes the attention of the people from the man Hoshiah as salvation to God as salvation. Amen? And so our focus should never be on a man. And churches have come down severely when when there is too much focus on a man doesn't matter how good his calling is, no matter how good the leader may be, but our focus should always be on God. Hoshea's name change before the people was a reminder not to keep their, their focus on their great new military commander who was really just being groomed at this stage. And so and the second point is leaders in God's army, God's generals if you like, need to maintain a sober opinion of themselves. And if you've been around church circles long enough, you see that not, a, not everybody's very good at that. They're not very good at that. And you think, oh, could they be filled with pride? Oh, it's very easy. And the Bible's very clear about promoting young people before their time. Why? Because they get filled with pride and they stumble. And so there was a big move in the 90s to do exactly like that, through the corporate world and through the church to promote young people through the ranks far too quickly and they never had the characters to sustain the great gifting and the calling of God upon their lives. And they were not able to sustain it. And when leaders fall, there is always a lot of casualties and there's a lot of fallout. So here, though God made a a great use of uh, these people to deliver the people, God himself is the ultimate deliverer. And so Joshua's own name was a constant reminder even to himself that God himself is the deliverer no matter how greatly God would use him. Isn't there such such wisdom in the word of God? And we gloss over that one little verse there so quickly, but we can see the wisdom of God just oozing and pouring through just a little decision of changing a man's name to safeguard his own walk, and also to safeguard the walk of all those around him. And so, yud heh vav the great I Am, the I Am that I Am, is salvation working through his servants. And so, Joshua, he was to become known from that point on in time. And so, in verses 17 to 20, we see a criteria of things they were looking for. And I'll just read it very quickly. The Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up uh, this way into the south and go up to the mountains. And he says, see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not be of good courage which was was always a word to joshua as moses protege now is the time was the season for the first grapes and so they went up and spied the land into the wilderness of zin as far as rehob near the entrance to hamath and they went up through the south and came to hebron hebron's mentioned because that is the territory that caleb was eventually to and joshua to eventually uh, inherit. And the descendants of Anak were there. They were uh, they were the same, similar sort of breed of people that in basically infected the earth in the times of Noah. They were an inbred people. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt, so it's ancient, very ancient. They came to the Valley of Eshcol and there they cut down a branch with the one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. How big was those grapes? How big were they? They were also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. And, uh, and so they returned then and came back to Moses and Aram and gave them the report. So very, very quickly, they were to have a look at the lay of the land. The people, strong or weak, is the land good or bad? to dwell in, Do they dwell in open camps or fortified cities? Is the land rich or poor? Does it have any natural resources? And while you're there, bring back some of the fruit. Amen? That was their mission. How did they go? And what were they to report on their return? And so they returned then. And um, in verses 26 to 29, we see the 12 spies return and give the report. And up until this point of time, till they open their mouth, everything is going fantastic. Amen? And that's very much in our walk with God too, isn't it? While we're keeping our mouths closed, we're going fine. And it was a bit like Job and his three friends, amen. The first week they were silent and up until that point in time, it was good counsel. Then they opened their mouth and just spoiled everything. You and I can spoil a whole heap of stuff when we open our mouth, amen. I'm feeling really lonely up here, amen. I don't have an hallelujah from anybody. You're very lonely here. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? It's two in it. So we open up our mouth and all of a sudden the whole thing is opened up. In verse 30, we see Caleb and he says, we are well able to overcome them. So let's go backtrack a little bit. They told them, we went into the land where you sent us. This is the 10. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. So there you go. And so all of a sudden things change. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. You see that? They saw the descendants of Anak. They saw the giants. I'm talking tonight about you cannot be what you cannot see. So the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, and they here it names about five of the tribes of people, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites. Later on, other, other tribes are named, uh, such as the Girgashites. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, We are well able to overcome. Or oh, do it again. Do it again. We are well able. Or do, oh, do it some with some attitude. Oh, Tane, we are well able to overcome, amen? And even in the book of Revelations, with those letters to those seven churches, all the blessings were given to each church, he says, to he who overcomes. And Jesus said in the last letter, as I overcame. You see, Jesus was the mediator and intercessor, the perfect one, and he was as much man as though he were not God, and he had to overcome just as we have to overcome, Amen. Who's getting something out of this? This is good stuff because it comes directly from the word of God. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. However, in a but, and once again, it's a big butt. amen. Say it's a big but to the person next to you. Oh, it's a big but. <laughs> there are a lot of big butts in the Bible, amen? Amen. And uh, uh, there you go. Uh, let's go to verse 31. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Amen? Obviously, I wasn't there. So there I was in verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, Come from the giants, and there we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, in our own sight, and we were in their sight. Tonight I'm talking about you cannot be what you cannot see, and they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Oh, have you ever been in a situation intimidated by everybody around you, and you saw yourself as a grasshopper? You saw yourself as something inferior not really in good company because everybody around you seems so big, so tall, so accomplished, so wealthy, so this and so that, amen? And you would just, I'm just, you would say, I am just this or I am just that, amen? They saw, you cannot be what you cannot see, amen? Amen? Joshua, the son of Nun, in, verse, in chapter 14, verse 6, The son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore his clothes as if because everybody joined in with the mourning, everybody joined in with the negative report. The report of the 12 spies carried their influence over the people, and they never faced the giants. Those 10 spies, you know what? They never faced those giants in the promised land to take victory, but rather they faced other giants in the wilderness, and they were defeated in the wilderness, not ever obtaining the promise, their influence of negativity, fear, doubt, and unbelief. Do you know unbelief is one of the most wicked of sins in the whole of the Bible? Why? Because it means you're not believing the Word of God. The Bible says, calls it unbelief, and it is probably the most wicked of sin in the whole of, of, encompassing all of sin, unbelief, has to be the most insidious sin. Because it means that God is saying, don't you believe my word? Jesus is the word of God, amen? Don't you believe him? God is the substance of his word, amen? Not ever obtaining the promise. Their influence of negativity, fear, doubt and unbelief condemned a whole generation of people to wander and eventually die in the wilderness, It was those who were 20 years old and younger, they became the generation to inherit the promise their parents rejected. Their parents rejected the promise of God, but their children, uh, they were in in a stage of innocence, I would say. And they were not held accountable for their parents' unbelief. And that is a just God, that is a just God. But they turned the land of milk and honey into a land that devours its inhabitants. It was contrary to what God had told them. They had talked themselves out of the blessing and promise, painted a picture of certain and imminent defeat and death. Amen? They said, we're not able. We're just not able. We cannot do it. Should they believe God? Or God had already delivered them. How many times did they see the plagues in Egypt? They had a pillar of cloud go before them during the day. What more do you want? And during the night, they had a pillar of fire go before them. They had the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the promise was behind the promise. Amen? Oh, it was amazing. Surely, they could believe God who had already delivered them, already set them free, already provided for them fully up until that point in time. In contrast, we have Joshua and Caleb who the Bible says in 14, 20, 24, another place they were of a different spirit, and you and I are called a peculiar people, and it's okay to be peculiar, amen. It is okay to be peculiar, amen. And that uh, we and the reason is we are peculiar is because we are of a different spirit, and it is okay to be of a different spirit. If you're not quite fitting in in the work environment, that is a good thing, amen. Because we're in the world, but not of the world. And so 40 years later, these two, Joshua and Caleb, and there was another man of faith who actually entered the promised land, but he is never mentioned here, and it was Joseph. Joseph's bones were carried into the promised land, and he was the man of faith, and he too inherited the promise. His brothers never inherited the promise, but Joseph's bones were carried into the promised land. And I've seen uh, from the Mount of Blessing, Mount of Evil and Mount Gerizim, and there you can look into the valley and there in an Arab village down there is the tomb of Joseph, which I've seen from the mountaintop. Oh, it's glorious. Joseph was also a man of faith and he too inherited the promise. They slew the giants, possessed the land, and obtained the promises. That's you and I. That's our job. You say, oh, I'm confronting something big. Oh, that means you're a believer. If it was small, anybody could do it, amen? But we're believers in Jesus Christ, and the power of heaven is behind us. And all the authority of heaven, amen? And the name that is above every name. Oh, it's above sickness, it's above poverty, oh, it's above lack. If you've got a lack attack, believe on the promises of God, amen? Oh, it's interesting to note that both the groups of spies inherited the fruit of what they saw. They all believed something and they all received exactly what they believed. It's interesting, isn't it? And confirms Jesus' own words, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. And so those ten spies, who we don't even know their names, eh? Who can remember all the names? I just, I don't, I can't remember the names. I don't even want to remember their names. Amen. What was the difference? And you can see in verse thirty-two and thirty-three is the great difference. One says it's a land and devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in a man of great stature. Then we saw the giants, and. Uh, and we saw ourselves like grasshoppers in our own sight and we in theirs. And so it's according to what you see. I'm talking about you cannot be what you cannot see, amen? And unless we begin to see ourselves in a different light, we too will see us as grasshoppers. I'm five foot two. It could be really easy to see myself as a grasshopper. But I know with the Holy Ghost has got in my life, on my life, around my life, we are all bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. The enemy was of great stature, meaning that they themselves were not. That's what they thought in their own mind. But these words uh, may not sound much, but they reflect an inward belief which ultimately had an outward manifestation. What you believe on your inside, your internal dialogue, when you're speaking to yourself, when you're mowing the lawn hour after hour after hour, when you're doing these jobs, when you're cleaning the windows hour after hour, whatever you're doing, your task, your internal dialogue matters. The things that you say to yourself are a manifestation of how you see yourself. See yourself through the lens of Scripture and you'll never be the same again. Amen? Let's go to Ephesians 1.17, and we'll have a New Testament. Uh, these are, this is a great lens to look at our own life. And Paul here is praying for the Ephesian church, and I like Paul as an apostle, one who looks after and plants churches, because he never subcontracted his prayer life out for the churches that he established to somebody else. He always maintained contact with the churches and always personally prayed for those churches. He was not, some, some people uh, in a prideful way almost, they say, oh, I just go around setting fires and move on. I'm just a firelighter for the Lord and move on. Paul lit fires as well, but his heart was always connected to the churches he established. He was a true apostle. His heart was always for people. He never was too big to think about personally, about people. And he says, in this great prayer, he says, and I, and I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I've read this scripture here about 500 times, I suppose. And he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, and I speak this to you today, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes, look at this, the eyes of your understanding. You see, you see, not with the eyes of the flesh, but with the eyes of the Spirit. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Amen? Oh, isn't it a good scripture? It is an amazing scripture. You see, it does matter how you see yourself. But the eyes of your spirit being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. When he made light at 302,000 kilometers a second, he stood back and he said it was good. He makes his promises and his power and he calls it exceedingly great. How good is that? He stands back and he says, oh, light, that's good, that's good. But my power and my promises, they're exceedingly great. How great are the, are the promises and the power behind those promises to your life? Amen. How great is it? It's good stuff. It's very. To see not with the eyes of body, but the eyes of the spirit is what we, you and I, are called to do. The spirit realm is actually more real than the natural. This here is temporal as anything. Jiprock a little bit of a wind and a, a bit of a cyclone and this place will be no more. It's, it's temporal. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever, amen? They had the pillar of fire by night, they had the pillar of cloud by day. It, it, was, it was never ever going to be a natural battle to take the promised land. It was always going to be a divine work of God and they'd already seen it time and time and time again. But the way you see yourself is how the devil sees you, amen? The way you see yourself is how other people see you. It speaks. The way you see yourself speaks to others. You might not think it does, but it does. How you get out of bed in the morning and see yourself, the way you see yourself is how the world sees you. I was in Namibia in 2005 doing a Bible distribution along the Angolan border, I made a great friend with one of the school principals, mainly because I had this wonderful Akubra hat and I knew he wanted it. And he took me into his office, and on the back of his door, I just loved it. Very basic school and everything, but I loved being there. It was great. In a very, very remote place, and I just loved this man. I just, he just had God all over him, I reckon. But he saw, he had a photo there, and it was a little pussycat looking into a mirror. But, what, but the reflection coming back his way was a massive lion. How you see yourself, amen? That pussycat saw himself as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so you might think, Yo, I'm just a little pussycat. But you look into that mirror and the reflection is this giant lion with this great big mane coming out and flaring. Fantastic, isn't it? How you see yourself when you know that you're, you're, you're a king's kid. Your father created the heavens and the earth. Oh, you should feel good about yourself. Oh, yes, you were born with a silver spoon in your, tongue, in your mouth, amen, when you took on the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, man, it's good stuff. But Joshua and Caleb saw the giants, but their focus was on the fruit because the fruit was also giant. They didn't say, look at the fruit. The grapes are as big as basketballs. Had they been invented, they would have said so in the scripture. But they had a bunch of grapes strung between a pole and two men, amen? But the ten witnesses there didn't say, oh, you, have, you should see the fruit. Oh, no, all they said was, you should see the giants. You should see the walled cities. All they saw was walled cities and giants, amen? That's all they saw. But Joshua and Caleb, they weren't giant conscious, they were good God conscious. Amen? It's a little bit the same as, are you sin conscious or sun conscious? Are you sin conscious or you're a son of God conscious? Where is your focus? What do you see? I'm talking tonight about you cannot be what you cannot see. You merely change the way that you look at situations and to yourself. That's what I said to David. He's always saying things so positive, isn't he, David? And I said, that's your trouble, David. You always want to look on the good side of everything. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? It's a good way to live. It's a great way to be a Christian. But they had discarded, Joshua and Caleb had discarded the slave ship mentality from Egypt. They put it off and they put on sonship. They knew they were the king's kids and it was beneath their royal dignity to settle for anything less. Can you say that? It's beneath my royal dignity to see myself as anything less. What you behold is what you become. I've used that scripture before. And John the Baptist there looking at Jesus walking past. And he had John and another disciple. I think it was Andrew with him. And he said, behold the Lamb of God. And why behold the Lamb of God? Because what you behold, you will become. You will be Whatever you behold, you will become exactly like that. Behold Jesus today. And it will change the way that you look at God. It will change the way that you look at yourself. Giant killers are able to take a sling and a stone. Face Goliath and the Goliath. they didn't say, oh, look at Goliath's head, it's so big. David said, look at that target, I can't miss it. You see, the way you look at things is different, isn't it? Take on a new perspective, put on the lens of the gospel and see things through God's eyes. A person who has no faith, he will say, I believe it when I see it. But a person of faith says, I believe it, therefore I will see it. How good is that? I believe it, therefore I will see it. But for now I see it through the realm of the Spirit. And when I see it long enough through the realm of the Spirit, or oh, faith calls those things that aren't as though they are, amen? And faith is a substance which you have or you don't. To see through the realm of the Spirit, or you get beside people who can see in the realm of the Spirit, and you're talking with action people, amen? People who have got a vision. It's fantastic. Think big, act big, talk big, for we have a big God. That quote is from Catherine Kuhlman. Didn't have a cent in her pocket. Said to a manager, go into town and rent the biggest hall you can find. Put my name on it, in lights if you can. The religious people of the day hated it. She said, oh, I serve a big God. I serve a big God. He can pay. You see, God didn't ask you to pay for it. God asked you to believe for it. How good is that? God didn't ask you to pay for it. He asks you to believe for it, according to his word. If we serve God who is limited to our own finances, well then our God is too small. He is not limited to what we have or to who we are. He can make of us whatever he wants us to be. He's not so fussed on our gifts or talents. Because when he anoints something and appoints something, Everything, all the resources of heaven make provision for what he wants to do. That's why he can use zeros and turn us into heroes. He can use anybody. He can use a carpenter like me, amen? He's not limited. God is not limited. The circumference of our lives is not even determined by our intellect, but it is always determined by your faith. Because a person of tremendous intellect who can't, who can't believe he can do something will always be outweighed by somebody of almost very ordinary intellect, but he believes that he can and he will accomplish that which he will please. Amen? Oh, he's hooked into the purposes of God. God is on your side and if God before you, then who could be against you? Amen? Who could be against you if God has called you to do something? So we're called to be more than a conqueror. We're called to be... The head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, amen? But there are times in life when we cop a beating, and seasons in our life, and we can take on a grasshopper mentality, but faith, when faith kicks in, that's when I, I always like to, uh, in, the, in the parable of the sower, it says, the seed grows of itself, the sower knows not how, Amen? And so all we've got to do when we begin to start thinking like grasshopper mentality is sow the word of God with liberality in our life. We don't even have to be concerned on how it grows because you can go to sleep and the seed grows of itself the sower knows not how. You don't need to be concerned to make it grow. That's God's job. Our job is to sow the seed. And that will transform grasshopper mentality to a great mentality something that god can use and so uh, there are times when we seem to remove mountains and other occasions we find it difficult to move our pillow would that be true hey it's called faith in puny in duration and uh, that can be so sometimes i've had prophets and they said jeff you will raise the dead and other days that i'm i'm Can't even drag myself out of bed because you're fighting off this demon and there are heavy things that come our way and we're living in a day and an age where the spiritual forces of darkness are becoming intensified. That's true. That's true. There's an intensification going on in the spirit realm and it's not going to get lighter, but it is going to get heavier. And our job as Christians is to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, to be prepared, is to be forewarned. So when things come your way, you're prepared. You know exactly what to do. Get back into the armour of God. Get back into worship. Get back into praise. Get back into the word. Because there is an exciting day coming upon the earth, amen? And you and I have been largely sheltered from what is going on in the earth. But things will change in the next period of time. And can change and will change very quickly and very dramatically. But this latter-day church is going to be a glorious church. It is going to be a powerful church. The book of Acts has got nothing on what this end time church will be like. Amen. And God, you are the Elijah's of the day. Amen. You are the Elijah's of the day. So get ready to be transported from here to there. Like Philip, when he was transformed from oh, down there at the bottom of Israel to Azotus in the blink of an eye. Amen. Get ready. Amazing things are going to happen. We're going to see when there's, there's going to be a day and an age when even the hospital may not be open for this season or that season and you might not be able to get to a dentist, but you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's a promise of God. There is a spiritual law in place which says that problems are the things we see when we focus on and when we take our eyes off the goal. And problems are the things when you focus on the giants and you forget to look at the fruit. That's what a problem is. If you focus on the fruit, you won't have a problem in the world. You will not have a problem in the world when you focus on fruit. Unbelief sees walled cities. Unbelief sees giants. But faith looks to the promises and the presence and the power of God and will give you a tenacity to apprehend that which God has promised. Amen? You have to apprehend it. And for you to possess or to go into your possess, uh, the promised land, the enemy needs to be dispossessed. And sometimes we think the promises of God don't have to be worked out or worked through, but it's not according to Scripture. The promises of God are to be apprehended, laid a hold of, and the enemy or the spirit has to be dispossessed that is not of God for you to take possession of that which God has promised you to take. Amen? The enemy has to be dispossessed, meaning that it is a spiritual war. A lot of Christians don't even acknowledge that we're in a spiritual war. But I want to tell you, when you get on the cutting edge of what God wants you to do, you will find yourself in a spiritual war. Amen? And so here today wants to be set free from grasshopper mentality, which may have crept in. I, from time to time, have had grasshopper mentality. Amen? And I've had to get rid of it. I'd like to join my faith with yours and give it an eviction notice. And, and to see that thing go tonight. Amen? We can pray this, we can pray the prayer of faith tonight. And uh, who here today wants to be infused with some giant killing mentality? Amen. It's here in the spirit realm. It's here. And uh, the spirit of the living God would move upon us, deliver us from the enemy's plans and devices, and allow us to see, understand, and agree with the word of God. And that happens whether it's a synchronization or a sinking in the realm of the spirit. To see, understand, and agree with the word of God, amen. And you will see the power of God come on your situation. And to see not with the eyes of the body, but the eyes of the spirit. How do we do that? By tapping into the word of God and applying it to your very, very situation, amen. Our job description, what is it? As blood born, born again, blood washed, spirit filled. And you'll read it in Hebrews 11.33. Our job description hasn't changed. And we see in, in Hebrews 11, the heroes of the faith. And then it wraps them up before it goes to all the people who were sawn in two and martyred and all that sort of stuff. They too were heroes, but they were the unnamed soldiers. But it says the heroes of the faith, who through faith subdued kingdoms, work righteousness and obtain promises. Watch this job description Subdue kingdoms, work righteousness, and obtain promises. What's your job description? Through faith, subdued kingdoms, work righteousness, and obtain promises. Isn't it amazing? Uh, some theologians have said there's some 33,000 promises in the Bible. And, but it's a strange thing because there's only 31,102 verses in the whole Bible, which means that there is more promises in the Bible than there are verses. How good is that? 33,000, they said, so there's more than 33,000 promises, but yet there is only 31,102 verses in the whole of the Bible. There are a lot of promises, amen? A lot of them, some of them you don't want, actually. Some of those promises you don't want. Not to come on your life, amen? Because God has a judgment, amen? God is a just judge. But do you see your mission and mandate? Do you see giants? Do you see walled cities? Do you look at life through the, end, through the lens of unbelief or sin? You look through any of those things and it's a dismal picture. But I want to say change what you see. And it is not even what you see but how you see it. And you can be or you, you cannot be what you cannot see. But if you see yourself as a blood washed, born again... Spirit-filled believer of God, filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Signs and wonders and miracles are part of your job description because you're in right standing with God. You can see yourself through that lens. You can see the giant fruit. You can see Goliath's head about this big and a slingshot and you know you can't miss it because it's so ugly and it's so big. Amen. You can see all these things through the lens of faith you can see through the lens of jesus or oh, let's stand to our feet oh it's such a good word isn't it Amen. the word of god is such a beautiful thing such a beautiful thing such a beautiful thing oh uh, psalm 119 verse 162 it says i rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure father in the name of jesus i bring this people before your throne of grace those who are listening online, I break off, Father, grasshopper mentality, grasshopper vision, a grasshopper self-perception. We break off that spirit that sees walled cities. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we put on the lens, Lord God, right now of your word. And we see things, Lord, through the eyes of faith, knowing that we cannot be what we cannot see. But, Father, we put on the lens father God of heaven all oh, we see righteousness we see holiness i see myself perfected in the person of Jesus Christ and through the power of his blood don't look at your own sins but look to the cross look to the blood look to the grace and the mercy of God and see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ father i thank you lord for this wonderful group of believers gathered here tonight and those listening online, I pray, Lord, there is a work and uh, a work done in the realm of the Spirit tonight. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, impart, Father God, right now, a spiritual revelation, Lord. Let people hear, Lord, see through the lens of faith again. See through the lens. We break off the spirit of unbelief and put on the lens of faith in Jesus' name. Let it be your portion now. Whatever problem there is, whatever mountain, whatever deep valley, we break its hold off your life. And I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I put on the victory that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are not victims, but victors, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, today for the victory, Lord God, that we have in your gospel today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen and amen. Oh, Jules is going to close with a great... Let's join in with this last song of worship. Come on, let's sing this with all our heart tonight.